We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kansas State is Big 12 champions. Mizzou refused to play Kansas in the Liberty Bowl, but there is a border war in college basketball between Mizzou and Kansas this weekend. And the Kansas City Chiefs head to Denver to take on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. I have everything you need to know right here on the Best of Everything, presented by Charlie Hustle. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. This is the best everything presented by Charlie Hustle. I'm your host, Michaela Bennett, and we have a lot to talk about this week. Basketball season is here for college basketball, college football still in session, and the Chiefs, of course, obviously still going on. There is so much happening in the Kansas City Sports Network right now. But as much as I don't want to, we're going to take a little rewind and talk about last week's loss against the Bengals. For some reason, the Bengals have the Chiefs number. And I don't even want to talk about it, but in Casey Lab this week, they talked about why the Chiefs can't seem to defeat the Bengals and what the Bengals did right, what the Chiefs did right. And Kent and Matt sat down to talk about, thankfully, this is a Broncos week, which means it can be a nice little rebound week for the Chiefs. They, they can go in and hopefully get a nice little win, boost their spirits, boost their victory, and go into the rest of the season with a little bit better vibe after that that bitter taste that was left in their mouth after losing to the Bengals this past week. Boy, do they need it. Um, Boy, howdy. Luckily, luckily for the Chiefs, they went from playing the Bengals who allow an average amount, an average pressure rate, you know, on the season, but uh, one of the worst or allow some of the most sacks in the NFL. They allowed when they went into the Chiefs game, like 3.2 sacks per game. They're going straight from that game where they got one sack and it was because Burrow decided to just take it. Um, They go to the face of Denver Broncos who also take 3.2 sacks per game and they actually give up a a little bit more pressure in terms of the rate. So uh, what I'm trying to say is Denver Broncos pass protection is bad. Russell Wilson is not very good at not taking sacks. Um, The Chiefs defensive line should be good here. The Broncos, I think, are down to backup offensive tackles at both positions with Garrett Bowles being injured. And then um, on the other side, I think Cameron Fleming stepped in at right tackle and uh, Calvin Anderson is playing left tackle for them. Like 
if there is ever a game for the Chiefs defensive line unit and these defensive ends to show up and help Chris Jones, this is the one. Like, this is the game that they kind of do have to put their best foot forward. I don't know if they necessarily need it to win the game, but this is a game against this defensive line you should kind of see them dominate. This is the type of game that you would really like to see this Chiefs defensive line go out and kind of impose their will. That way, you know, you at least get your hopes up a little bit going into the playoffs or down this home stretch. My thing is like, yeah, I think they're going to generate more pressure than they did last week, but I want to see him finish some plays too. Like, I think that's the thing I want to see this week. It's not just generating pressure. They got to finish some plays this week. And, you know, Russell Wilson, they're still, he'll have some moments where he's a little bit more slippery. You know, uh, believe it or not, there's still there's still some of those moments in there from him where he'll slip out of some stuff. Now, it's a little bit more fewer and farther between than it's been historically, but it's not like he's just a, a, a stationary target still. So I, I need to see this team finish some of these some of these pass rushes, not just disrupt, actually finish some of these plays. I think it's going to be pretty important. Uh, and yeah, this is a chance for some guys to get right, get some confidence heading into, you know, the the second or, the you know, the end of the season as we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. There's some weaknesses along the offensive line. Dalton Risner, uh, not playing, probably. He is uh, has not practiced the first two practices this week. So that's another one to kind of keep your eye on. You know, if you can, you know, if you can get after this group that's hobbling, uh, it, it, it's going to go a long way in their ability to kind of win this game uh, and win it comfortably and not make it a slugfest, not make it a game that doesn't need to be close. So um, oh. the Broncos have given up three or more sacks and nine out of their 12 games this year, including what? One, two, three, four, four times out of their last five games. Like this is not a difficult team to sack multiple times. You can get a lot of pressure on, on this Denver Broncos team. Um, so if the Chiefs can't get pressure, if the Chiefs can't get consistent pressure in this game, then maybe it is time to start to panic a little bit, right? Then maybe there is, I saw something that, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator um, got on, you know, get up uh, one of the NFL network shows and just talked about how Joe Burrow came and said, hey, I think the Chiefs pass rusher, that defensive line, they get out of their rush lanes too often and that's going to give me space to escape. Guess what? If you see... Joe Burrow not get sacked by this team, and then you see the Denver Broncos not give up sacks to this defensive line, it might be out. The word on the street might be out about how you beat this pass rush. The, the, something this pass rush is doing incorrectly, it could be out there based purely on just something that simple because there's just no way you could go a game against the Bengals and the Broncos back-to-back and only come out you know, with a couple sacks here or there. you got to be able to finish a little bit more often. I know Steve Spagnuolo is probably going to blitz Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's not one of the quarterbacks that you are not allowed to blitz like a Joe Burrow is. Like you could definitely blitz him. So maybe they will get some pressures and some sacks off that. But I'm really going to be focusing on the four-man rush because they're going to need it. They are going to need it in the playoffs, especially if they see the Cincinnati Bengals again. They are going to absolutely have to have it. And you just got to start seeing that trend upwards again like it had been up until this point. Then all of a sudden it took a huge step back last week. So this is just a good rebound spot. Well, speaking of quarterbacks and blitzing, on 3MA this week, the guys sat down to talk to K-State quarterback Will Howard on the win versus TCU for the Big 12 championship. Now, this was a huge game for K-State. This was a massive win for the Wildcats, TCU undefeated. But Will Howard gives us his take about what it was like that entire day and what it meant to him to have this 
ending, not really ending because there's still a bowl, but ending to Big 12 championship, Big 12 game, and how electric this was for the entire team and for him as a quarterback. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was surreal. Um, you know, all of our all of our goals, all of our uh, you know aspirations were you know started with winning a Big 12, and, and that's what we we've been saying since January. Uh, it was just so cool to you know kind of be out there and and you know you know see the confetti flying. It was uh, you know kind of kind of see all that hard work kind of come to fruition a little bit. It was it was really cool. Is there a favorite moment that you have that'll like stick with you, or a favorite memory from the day? I mean, I, I think. The, the kick just like seeing Ty running on the field you know kind of giving him a high five seeing 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 him smile uh running on I knew there was no doubt in my mind that he was making that kick just the way the way he was running on that field with so much confidence and uh I couldn't even look I was sitting over on the sideline I I had like I was just looking at the ground saying some prayers and and uh man but I, I just heard the eruption of the crowd and that's that that feeling and, and running out on the field and celebrating with my teammates all I'll never forget that. That was that was awesome. Did you say something to Ty when you were running off the field that got him to laugh, or was that? Just I mean, him? yeah, I just kind of looked at him. Uh, you know, what I said to him was, "Let's win a championship." So uh, I, I don't even know if he heard me. That's just kind of what I said. Uh, you know, we just looked at each other and kind of knew, like, here we go. And uh, and you know, I, I knew he was gonna he was gonna bang that thing. He's been playing so well, kicking so well, and uh, and you know, just getting the ball in his hands to win the game. That was that was awesome. Oh, I can't believe it, man. He, he's smiling out there. I'm trying to take video from my seats, Will, and I can't even keep my hands still. They're shaking so bad on the video. <laughs> oh, so for him to be able to just go out there so calmly and make that kick yeah. uh, was incredible. Well, K-State did enjoy a nice win over TC for the Big 12 Championship. The World Cup is still going on, but America is out of it now. And on Soccer Talks this week, Ali Trost Martin sat down with Tom Bogert to talk about America and the U.S. in the World Cup. And was this kind of what was expected of America? Did America live up to their expectations? A lot of people rallied around America this year for the World Cup, people that don't normally watch soccer. And it was a big, cool time in Kansas City to watch the U.S. take on all these different teams. And ultimately, like, this was maybe a lot of people's way into becoming a soccer fan. So on Soccer Talks this week, they talked about just that and how next time, like Kansas City is going to host the World Cup and what that means to U.S. team and to Kansas City as a city. What is your assessment of the 2022 World Cup for the United States and what it means in the grand scheme of things, given um, well the fact that they missed out of the last World Cup and they're going to be uh, here in 2026? Yeah, so obviously the last World Cup was an outlier. That that just making the World Cup shouldn't be the expectation. It should be progressing. Um, getting to the knockout rounds, I, I thought was just about meeting expectations. You know, there were some good performances. There were some lackluster parts of it. You know, nothing was perfect, but nothing was, you know, totally imperfect. So it's, it's, it's weird, I think, how nuanced that I'm coming away from it with. Because, look, like, uh, defensively, they were really good. Um, th there was a lot, of, a lot to like. Um, people were talking about rotation and, and you know, may, that that's to blame as to why they lost to the Netherlands. I don't I don't know how much I buy it because I think that people would have jumped down the coaching staff's throat if they rested some like if Tyler Adams didn't play against England or something like that. And like that England game was a really good performance. The Wales first half was really good. The Wales second half was a little disappointing. And, and I'm not sure how much it comes down to 
you know, what is systemic or what is structural versus what was okay. Like maybe Aronson didn't make the make right run or maybe Sargent didn't have the right finish. You, you know what I mean? Whether it's individual plays or, or how much it came down to structure. I thought the structure was good. Um, I thought that the Netherlands very deservedly won. I think that the, the overall, the overarching feeling is going to be the recency end of the knockout game that a little disappointing in that, it, it never felt close. It, it never felt close. Even after the Dutch scored that first goal, it was still a one-goal game, but it didn't It didn't feel close. And then 2-0 after halftime. And then there was 90 seconds of hope, 90 seconds of, okay, here we go, 12 minutes left. They're going to kind of push, and, and this will be fun, you know, whether they win or lose. And 90 seconds after Haji Wright scores with a bad touch, um, they can see it again. And, and the goals all seem kind of avoidable, just, in, you know, tracking runners and, and being a little bit better at the back post. So, uh, it's a lot of words to say. Like I thought that it was fine. Like, I got, I wasn't an A plus. It wasn't a failure. I thought you know, B minus, B B, maybe a little bit better. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Well, the World Cup will come back in a few years, but on Outside the Trenches this week, Tucker gives a very shocking statistic to lead. To lead That has to do with the World Cup, but I'll let you listen to that on your own. They also talked about Russell Wilson this week on Outside the Trenches, and BJ, Nick, and Tucker discussed what a letdown this season has been for Russell and the Broncos. Now they just paid him close to $300 million and it doesn't look like there's going to be any improvement this season. It's been a downhill battle. Um, It's been rough for Russell and the Broncos and it seems like the team is kind of turning on him. There's just a lot of turmoil. It seems like in that locker room, but on outside the churches this week, the guys talked about Russell, his contract, his playing abilities, the team as a whole, and facing the Broncos as the Chiefs head to Denver this week to play them in mile high. (laughs) The Broncos have scored 10, 16, 10, and 9 in their last four games. There's no out on the Russ deal until the next World Cup, 
with oh, thirty-one good. million dollars yeah. in dead cap. Um, they can extend. Dollars. They can extend dummy years, and I, they can do some. There's some stuff they could do to try to offset, but with the guarantees, like there's no way that it's still not gonna he's, he's catastrophically still. be a problem for them. Listen, but at least I they just, have draft pit. No, they don't have those either. Here's my <laughs> hey, listen. Here's my conspiracy theory. Basically, did they sell? Did the Bolin family sell the Broncos mm-hmm. yet? Did they already sell to them? the Walmart yeah. family? The okay. Waltons. Yeah, they got all the cash they need. So, well, well, here's the thing. I think when Russell Wilson was sitting next to Goodell at like the Super Bowl or, or certain events, I think that should put him on snitch alert, right? As far as like, you know, you're, you're like, mm, okay, buddy, what are you doing? But then was he sending to destroy the Broncos, right? Was it like uh, NFL saying, you know, listen, we don't need you. We need you to inside job, right? Just whatever. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, but it's. It's mind blowing to me how, how bad it like I'm truly like mind blowing about how bad they are this year. Yeah. I see the comment from General Fifty One saying the Raiders are the toughest matchup basically that the Chiefs have going forward, and that if Patrick Mahomes beats Seattle, he'll beat every team. Uh, he hadn't beat the the Vikings or the other one, so Seattle. There were two teams left after the Rams, and it was the Vikings and the Seahawks. So yeah, I'm sure that'll mean. A little bit of something is just kind of like a fun box to check for a 27-year-old quarterback that will have beaten 30 of the other 31 teams in the NFL. But, uh, guys, I think the Russell Wilson trade, as it stands now, uh, is – I don't even know if it's in the conversation. It's near the top of the conversation for worst trades in NFL history for how it's gone down. And that's not even being hyperbolic at this point. Like, they gave up picks, <laughs> players, and the like. the result has been – if if he wasn't on big contract, would he get would he get benched? Yes. Yeah. Should he get benched? They I don't, don't think his teammates back. like him. I, I, I like really, at least the chunk of them don't. Who's it's not who's their backup right now? Like it's not Trevor Simeon because Trevor Simeon's at the Bears. Um, I don't even know who their backup. He missed a game earlier this season. I can't remember who it was. Brett, I don't Brett think Rippin. It's Brett Rippin. Even better. Um, so, like, they don't have a choice, Nick. Like, they have to play him um, <laughs> unless he's hurt, I guess. Um, and then I think they activated Kendall Hinton, Hilton, Hinton um, mm-hmm. as, like, the backup emergency quarterback when that happened. But, like, hey, yeah, it's uh, it's tough out there. Shout out to Dalton Reisner, the, the left guard there. He's doing a tremendous yeah. job. Walter Payton, man of the year nominee there in Denver. Love you, K-Stater. He's he was doing he's doing a lot of that stuff when he was at k-state oh, like yes. that is not surprising it was cool i watched that whole video uh, of him getting announced and you tell how authentic it was because they surprised him he thought he was doing a community event and then they surprised him with it it was That's a really cool, cool deal yeah. well good for dalton reisner he is a k-state alum and he is voted the walter payton man of the year nominee for the denver broncos the nominee for the kansas city chiefs is None other than Patrick Mahomes with his foundation, 15 in the Mahomes, and all of his work he does off the field. And he's a very selfless person. All of the stuff he does off the field, he has a new baby boy. Congrats to him and Brittany on the addition to their family. But on one-on-one this week, Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito sat down with a former Bronco to talk about Russell Wilson. and. Russell seems to be a little selfish right now. And there seems to be a little bit of some turmoil, some 
some like butting of heads in the locker room in Denver. And what all is going on behind the scenes, we don't really know. But it seems that Russell's kind of become a little selfish and it's all about him. Now the media loves to poke little jokes about, you know, doing high knees on the plane or this and that, but it's so easy to make fun of Russell whenever he gives you so much content to use. Like, how can you just not take advantage of it? But on one-on-one this week, they talked about what it means to really be a ride-or-die quarterback, a ride-or-die teammate, and how important that is whenever you're going to battle each and every week with your team. And it's so funny. And Jeff, I don't know if you, I don't know if you have a different opinion than I do, but I feel like that until this year, because I totally agree with you, Mark, but it seems like until this year, that was, wasn't Russell Wilson's brand. Like I felt like Mm -hmm. he seemed to come off like the, like the nerd, like kind of nerdy, like not a guy, like a nerdy dude, but like more of a selfless type guy. Maybe, Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, that's, that speaks to Pete, to Pete's, you know, approach and the way he was handling things in Seattle. I don't know per- Russell personally. I-, I trained with him coming out for the draft, but we don't have that type of relationship. But from the outside looking in, there is a lack of accountability. Yeah. It's almost like everything is scripted. and it- it- He's doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing instead of playing the game with the emotion that you're supposed to play with. You're supposed to be pissed off sometimes. We all fuck up. We all have bad games. Just admit it, dude. That's all. Just admit yeah. it. Don't-, don't make yourself bigger than the team just because you're the quarterback. And go win some football games, and I think that it'll be better if you can do that. But uh, let me, hey, let me ask you guys a question um, because this was brought to my attention, and and again, like no inside information on this, but I saw it during training camp. Um, you know, his wife is famous, and I get that, and you know, and all the other families are out there, um, you know, at training camp under a tent. They are too. They all go out to the porter potties if they have to use the restroom. She has free reign, and the kids have free reign of the Broncos facility, and you know, it, and free reign of the facility. You know, every day of the week, if they want to come over yeah. and do whatever, and like here's here's where I would be. Like we had days like on Tuesdays or whatever. I'm coming over to get treatment. I've got one of my kids with me, you know, and it's and it was this is the way we operate. This is the way we behave. And you're by my side the whole time. But like, I would never, even if I had that kind of gravitas within the organization, I would never ever abuse that or do something that my teammates weren't given the same privilege to. Mm. And, and so, and again, I don't, this is just, this is things that I've heard. I witnessed, you know, I witnessed turn to training camp and I don't know if it's true or not, but like little things like that. Um, and again, it's, it's the lack of, uh, it, what is perceived or what I believe to be a lack of, uh, of, you know, of, of being aware there's a tone deafness. There's a tone deafness there that, that would really bother. I think would really bother me as if I was a player over there. And, and this again, somebody reached out to me and said that they thought this is what was going on within that. And I don't know, but if it is, um, mm-hmm. I, I just again, it would it'd be just another way that you've set yourself apart from your teammates, and that to me is not cool. Well, looking to college football, it is bowl season, and 
the rumors have been swirling, whatever happened, we don't exactly know the reasoning, et cetera, but Mizzou refused to play Kansas in the Liberty Bowl this year. Now, there might be a few different reasons, but Kansas will now play Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl, and Tucker Franklin, Mizzou fan Tucker Franklin, got on Ain't No Seeds podcast to talk with Brandon Anthony about Mizzou's decision to not face Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. And was it a smart one? We don't really know. We'll never really find out. Um, but he talks about why he thinks Mizzou chose not to play Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. Mizzou didn't want to play Kansas um, in the Liberty Bowl, which no one knows if that's true or not. Obviously, Drinkwitz came out, posted a picture of the stadium in Memphis saying we'll play them anywhere. Um, AB, obviously, I want to get your takes from a KU perspective. Um, so, yeah, you go first, talking about just the KU-Mizzou bowl game fiasco. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's really, like, hard for me to – not pick and choose, but I feel like if I call Mizzou hypocrites, they're going to call KU fans hypocrites. Like, now you want to play us? Oh, you did this for eight years. I think all of us here have been, like, very strong and adamant on the take that KU and Mizzou should have never stopped playing, regardless of which conference they were in. Like, it wasn't the fans' decision to not play the game. What pissed me off about when this announcement came out is everything, word for word, drink what said it in a press where I tweeted the clip, it's like, Everything Bill – and maybe Drinkwitz, he's he's the kind of guy who wouldn't surprise me if he's trolling everybody and just took an old Bill Self quote from like five years ago and put that into his words for Mizzou. But it's just like all the rallying around it, it just was so bizarre to me. And then the reasonings they wanted to play before Christmas or we're not scared to play a 6-6 six and six team. You're not excited to play a 6-6 six and six team. You're playing 7-5 and five Wake Forest. Like that's not any better in the Chameleon Bowl or whatever the hell it is. It just – it was very annoying, but also kind of very funny because I feel like that storyline that we've had attached to us for almost a decade now is kind of just gone because both, you know, schools can say that you guys backed out of something. So it feels like that's just swept under the rug now and we can get back to playing each other. And then, yeah, yeah Tucker, obviously I want to hear your point from a Mizzou standpoint. I think you were super passionate about it. Um, obviously, Bill Self for a while said – we don't need to play Mizzou. Like basically Mizzou needs us. We don't need them. So I don't kind of wanted to know how you felt just on Bill's thoughts throughout, throughout the years on not playing Mizzou. And then I guess obviously just Mizzou and this whole bowl game situation. So it's interesting, right? I know a lot of, a lot of Mizzou fans did bring that up. The whole Bill self comments in whatever year that was 2012 um, about not playing and people are saying, well, he said it on the record. This is just a source of dodge. It, it doesn't matter. When it's out there, it's out there. It doesn't matter who said it or where they said it or when they said it. Um, but I, I, I agree with you, A.B., in, in thinking that, I mean, I never wanted to stop playing Kansas. I never wanted to see that go away. If it was up to me, I would have. they would still be playing in both sports. Um, and, and I think my first reaction when it, when it came out, actually I got a text from Matt Lane of the KC Laboratory. He sent me the screenshot before he tweeted it out. And he said, oh, no. And I saw that and I read it and I was like, no. It's going to be a long day um, yeah. because it's embarrassing. It's a bad look, uh, whether regardless if it's true or if it's not. <laughs> if it gets put on the internet, people are going to run with it. People are going to take it regardless of if it's true or not. Um, do I think that there is possibly some truth to it? Yeah. I mean, I went on uh, the Mizzou That's Who podcast literally two weeks ago and said, I don't want to play Kansas if I'm Missouri because 
if a six and six Kansas team beats a six and six Missouri team, that's a bad look for Missouri. So since Kansas is not playing Mizzou on Booth Review this week, Kent Swanson sat down with Jordan Gusky to talk about Kansas still going bowling and they are playing Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl, like we just said, but Kansas is going bowling and that's a pretty big deal. We wouldn't have expected that before the season, but what does this game look like for Kansas and the Jayhawks? And Jordan and Kent talked about just that, what it means to face Arkansas, what it means to play in the Liberty Bowl and be playing in December for the Kansas Jayhawks. So we find out it's not Missouri. Uh, it's a battle for the right to use the words, uh, the word Kansas in, in your state name. It's Kansas versus Arkansas, the Razorbacks uh, in the Liberty Bowl. Initial thoughts about about KU playing Arkansas. What you, you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's – and this is something that I think Lance and I think Sam as well talked about during their teleconferences after the announcement. But there are some similarities, I guess, in how Arkansas hadn't struggled for as long as Kansas, but both are in, you know, early stages of a of a rebuild of sorts. This is sort of like, in a way, as close as it can be to, to Arkansas's year two, uh, this year two for Kansas. So there are some similarities. So I think it's interesting to see where these teams are. Uh, you know, a team that's trying to break through in the SEC against a team that's trying to break through uh, in the Big 12 that's had some really interesting wins in, in the last couple of years. Uh, so I, th- I thought it was a great matchup for, for Kansas to get to as a measuring stick uh, for where they are in year two of Lance. It's going to be a little interesting, I think, with with uh, with Arkansas. And like there's going to be time we'll be discussing this on on this show down the road um, as we're getting build up towards that game. But like I think one of the, the interesting things that I'm going to be monitoring is you, you look at the turnover that's happened at Arkansas since the transport portal opened up. A lot of players have left. Um, and, and Barry Odom, uh, their defensive coordinator, uh, just took the job at uh, UNLV. So they're out, their defensive coordinator too. You see a little bit of, I don't know, chaos isn't the right word, but there's just been some, some big transitions already since their season ended. Uh, at the hands of Missouri, uh, their regular season uh, ended at the hands of Missouri. Kind of just fascinated to see you know, what kind of version of that Arkansas team actually shows up. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, we will see what bowl game is electric as the bowl season is now here. And so is college basketball. And we have a border war this weekend. Mizzou and Kansas basketball will play each other. 
And we have Border War. Border War is back with Jarrett Sutton and Jeff Hawkins this week. And Jeff gives his his recap on what it was like playing in Mizzou. And Jarrett and Jeff talk about the rivalry between this Border War and what it means to the fan base, to the players. You know, all around, this is a great rivalry in college basketball. But Border War is here. It's here this weekend. And Jarrett and Jeff sat down and talked about their experiences with the Border War and what it means that it's back. Yeah, you know, every time we came to Hearns, um, like, Missouri always rates, like, you know, toughest arenas to play in. Obviously, when you kick in that rivalry, like, I thought – Kentucky was pretty – I mean, that was a, a hostile environment to play in just because how loud it can get. But, like, Missouri's – Missouri's, like, for sure my top top two, I would say. Sometimes it would depend on how serious it was between K-State and Missouri. But most of the time, we always knew Missouri was a, a hostile environment. It got a little hostile at K-State. Uh, but, again, oh, yeah. that's a little oh, yeah. in-state, so it's just not as – it's just <laughs> not as vulgar. Like, yeah, you, they hey, hate you us said there, it. but you like, said it. I'm with you. You said it. I'm with you. I but like, you. but but for real though, Missouri was like still to this day one of the toughest arenas we always had to come in and play in because like we knew it was gonna be a battle. Like mm-hmm. every time, like no matter if you guys had a down year, if we had a down year, like it doesn't matter. Like that game, I mean, it's gonna be live and uh I mean, credit to you guys as fans because, I mean, they brought it when we came in. We just knew coming to that game, it's not going to be easy. I mean, literally, their sixth man is their sixth man is crazy. So <laughs> you better come ready and prepare. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a long night. Let's dive into this matchup. Um, you know, a tale of, of two different teams. Yeah. The Mizzou side, it's, it's a lot of veteran transfers, um, a, a freshman, a talent from KC and Aiden Shaw that we've talked about, um, very athletic. This is a, a Missouri team that, you know, they have Isaiah Mosley, who's a Columbia kid, yeah. and Dewan Harris, who's a Columbia kid. So I want to start there with just what you, what, what, when you put yourself in Isaiah Mosley's shoes or Dewan Harris's shoes, you know, it's a homecoming for both. Uh, it's a huge game for both. Obviously, Isaiah's you know at Mizzou in Columbia, so it's a bit different. But with Dewan, he's going back to his hometown. He's been in so many, ma- like obviously, won a national right, championship and in the Final Four. <laughs> but this feels yeah. like it could be a little bit of a different feeling oh, yeah. for him. I don't put it past him because I think he's such a composed kid, and I think he's yeah. so tough and mature and smart, and just does everything like blocks out noise and all that yeah. stuff you want in a player. What do you, what do you think go, is going through Dewan Harris's mind right now? Like going home, knowing he didn't get recruited by Mizzou. He goes to yeah. Kansas, wins a <laughs> national championship. There's so many storylines I find interesting oh, yeah. in this matchup. Well, this is definitely a good storyline matchup and Kansas is number six in the country ranked right now. And Mizzou is, unranked in the top 25, but they will host Kansas Saturday night and it will be a Mizzou arena. Now, what this means to Mizzou, we don't really know. You know, this is a big game for the Tigers and the border war is back and it is huge for Mizzou fans. Gabe DeArmond even said, 
doesn't even feel like work whenever it's the board war because it's so exciting, but we will see what happens whenever they face this, this weekend. And on Mizzou, that's who they talked about what this rivalry means to Mizzou fans, to KU fans, and what it means if Mizzou holds their own in this game. Is it a moral victory if this game is within 10 points, uh, right? Do you think that 10, that's a, no, no, five? not 10. Um, if you take them to the last TV timeout, well, basketball is also weird when you're talking about final margin of victory, That's because yeah. what mm -hmm. if you have four intentional fouls in the last minute, right? Yeah. Um, yep. If you take this game to the last TV timeout and, and you've got a realistic shot to win, like, I think you can come out of that feeling good. Yeah. But like, I, I won't go moral victory. Um, And sure. look, I, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm not making a prediction on this game beforehand because I don't have a clue. Like, I can easily see a world where Missouri wins this game. I like that is I don't think that's being a homer. People I know that cover Kansas think Missouri's going to win this game. Um, yeah, but I can also see a world where you just go, maybe we should have been a little more realistic of how they got to nine and zero, and Kansas wins this game by twenty. I I, mm -hmm. I can see that. I, I and I don't know which one's more likely, which is why I'm not making a prediction because I don't have a clue what we're going to see. I want to go in there on Saturday. I want to see two things. I want to walk in and feel like, okay, this program matters again. Like I'm going yeah. to come to games here and it's not going to feel like a chore, which it has way too often in the last 10 years. Not every year. Like that's discrediting Conzo. We went to the tournament twice. There have been some days, but what I want to see over the next, not, not just on Saturday, but the next couple months is okay. This seems sustainable, right? Like right. it's, it's not going to be like this for every game because this is KU, but there might be some other games where you can see 13, 14, 15,000 people here for a game that matters. And then I just want to see a game that lives up to that. What, you know, whether Missouri wins it or not, like I just want to see a game that, that truly feels like a big game because yeah. it hasn't been, it hadn't happened much. Um, the only year that Missouri's provided us what could have been big games in the last five years. I mean, COVID was going on. Nobody was there. Right. right? So right. it's been, and even that, like we talked the Iowa state game where Porter was making mm -hmm. his debut. Like that was a batshit atmosphere, but then like five minutes later, it wasn't. Right. And, and really the rest of that year, we didn't get that. I mean, you know, Jarrett talked about it a little bit. And every time I talk to anybody who played basketball here, 2012 or before, they just say, I just want to see it be what it was, man. Like, yeah. I've, you know, I talked to some of the 2002 guys at a game last year and they said, I just, I feel bad for these players that this is the atmosphere they're playing in. So they're going to get a taste of it on Saturday. And then Dennis Gates's job is to make that come back, right? Like the, the fans are going to show up because it's KU. And because they want to make their Grady Dick sign and they want to boo Bill Self and they want to do whatever they're going to do on, on Saturday. But then it's up to the program to make that atmosphere come back for somebody that's wearing a different uniform. And, uh, you know, it, again, like I, I, I told you guys beforehand, this rivalry is one of the few things that, like, it this doesn't seem like work to me. This is yeah. going to be four hours of like, oh my God, I get paid to be here. Well, it doesn't seem like work to Gabe, but 
The Chiefs will have some work to do this offseason in the safety position. And on 21 questions this week, there were 21 questions. And one of them was, what will the Chiefs do this offseason to help in the safety position? What type of player will they get? Will they make some trades? Will they draft someone? A lot of a lot of things to discuss there. On 21 questions, they answered just that and what the Chiefs should do this offseason. I know it's way too early for this this offseason to improve their safety position. Yeah. How would you assess the play of the Chiefs safety this year? How does that play into the offseason strategy, e.g., free agents draft Thornhill? Once. We've covered we have covered the safety position and how they played a lot, but the draft part of that and the offseason strategy is not something that we've covered a ton of. They got to add bodies. Like they really do. It's it's a little bit scary the level of play that is occurring back there. Now, I will say, and it was one game, and it was against a team that is broken in half against the Rams. Justin Reed looked a little bit better against the Los Angeles Rams playing next to Brian Cook. Now, we'll see if that continues. I, I don't know if there's a correlation there or if it's just hey, the Rams offense stinks, and he was able to just kind of tee off on some stuff. He has another good game against the Bengals. He and Brian Cook look good together. There's reason for optimism there that may change the strategy a little bit. But as it stands right now, Juan Thornhill might be back, but I don't think it's going to be in a position where they're going to start him. I think it would be as a rotational guy. And I don't know what you have to do with, with Justin Reed here. I mean, obviously you're committed to him. And you got to hope that he's going to get better. But it's starting to look a little bit like an Anthony Hitchens situation where we're, we're going, hey, yeah, he's one of the leaders of the defense. He's one of these these brainy guys that knows the defense inside and out. And then after the snap, you're a little bit like, oof, that's a little bit rough to watch. So ideally, he gets it turned around because that would go a long ways. But as it stands, I mean, Maddie, I, you got to invest in that position this offseason. And that that sucks because that's not a position that you love to invest in. Right. Especially after paying a safety good money and then drafting one on the second day of the NFL draft. And so I agree they need somebody, but here's the question. Oh, are, do you think they're looking for a starter or do you think they're looking for a third safety who's plays plenty, is but more of a rotational player? Like, where do you think they got to look? Like, do they I, just trust cook to be a starter? I need to see more cook. I don't dislike what we've seen out of Cook, but I need to see more of it than we have so far for me to feel super confident. Teams aren't letting the Chiefs get into dime enough, damn it. Okay. <laughs> let's let's say that they feel okay with Cook going forward. Mm -hmm. You're adding help. You're adding a rotational safety. You're adding a third safety. What kind of safety skill set do you want? What is the safety skill set that you are missing with Justin Reed and Brian Cook back there? What is what is the, What are they missing? A deep guy a rangy deep guy that they can play a little more single high with. Um, I I like what they can do with Cook and or Reed from a split safety perspective, but when they want to switch to something that's you know cover one, cover three, they got to have somebody that can cover a little bit more ground in the middle of the field. That's what Thornhill's here for, but you know, obviously well, not working out so hot right now, but you'd like cool. a guy that has a little more range on the back end, yeah. Well, we will see what happens this offseason, but we have a lot of football left this year to talk about every single week. And 
it's a big weekend. We have Border War. Border War is back from Missoula, Kansas, and there's just a lot going on in Kansas City Sports Network. You know, congrats to the K-State Wildcats. They are Big 12 champions. Everyone's going bowling. Mizzou, Kansas, and K-State, and now Kansas City Chiefs are hoping to go back to the Super Bowl. They will take on the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson this Sunday afternoon at three o'clock central time. And hopefully it is a nice bounce back from this gut punching loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. But I will talk about it right here next Saturday. And this is the best everything presented by Charlie Hustle.